everybody. Welcome to another episode of God is Not a Theory with Ken Fish. I'm your host, Grant Pemberton. On today's episode, we've got uh, an exciting um, interview with uh, an evangelist who is going around um, all over the country right now and seeing incredible fruit. And we're hoping it's going to be an uplifting uh, time for you, a time for hope, and in a time where sometimes hope seems uh, far off. So uh, with that, uh, Ken, I know that uh, that you have a, a really great relationship, and so maybe you could give us an introduction. Yeah, so I'm really excited tonight to have uh, Jay Koopman with us. I just said tonight, It's uh, we're recording this in the evening, which is uncharacteristic for us. We usually do daytime recordings. Um, Jay is an evangelist uh, at heart, but he's he's been a pastor too. He's planted ministries of various types. Jay comes out of a really uh, interesting and difficult background that includes um, heavy drug use, uh, gangs, et cetera. But, but honestly, he's been out of that for so long that we don't really want to dwell on all of that old history tonight. If you want to hear more about Jay's testimony, you can look him up on YouTube, J-A-Y Koopman, K-O-O-P-A, K-O-O-P-M-A-N, Jay Koopman with a K. You can hear a lot about his testimony. We'll have him share just a little bit um, of background, but only a few minutes because we really want to get onto the exciting stuff of what he's up to right now. So um, without further ado, Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Ken. It's so nice to meet you, Grant. Excited to be with you guys tonight. And uh, virally, how that's one cool thing that came out of the pandemic. We all learned how to virally connect with each other. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And what we want to do is we want, we want the gospel to go viral. You know, there's been a lot of talk and praying and preaching towards a, a huge outpouring of the spirit and a visitation of God on America for many years. Jay, you're right in the middle of uh, something that is epic. You and Sean Foyt have been traveling around together. You're kind of the lead evangelist of the whole deal. You do most of the preaching. You call people to repent. You're seeing people getting out of, well, all the stuff you were in and more besides. And I think I've lost count, but I believe you're above 130 cities that you've been to now around America. Is that right? Yeah, it's absolutely right. Yeah. So <laughs> in a, in about a year and a week. A year in a year and a week. So think about that. <laughs> 52 weeks in a year. So that's yeah. like more than two cities a week. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about uh, first of all, some may not know what Let Us Worship is. So give us some background on that. And then yeah. why don't you also uh, talk to us about how you got involved with this and some of the things you're seeing out there? Yeah, well, you know, back when Governor Newsom um, shared that we could not sing in church and we couldn't go to church, um, at the time, um, I was full-time pastoring with Harvest Rock Church with Pastor Cheon. And uh, that same week that Sean decided to do the first Let Us Worship gathering, Pastor Che uh, decided to sue Governor Newsom. And, um, you know, so it was wild because there was this major split in the body of Christ that we all know about. It was the people like Pastor Che, Sean Foyt, and then there was the other people that, you know, had their convictions of what they were doing in the body of Christ, which is completely the opposite, you know, of what we were doing. And so... Um, Sean went on the Golden Gate Bridge, and then he went to, right immediately after that, he went to Orange County. And, and basically, it was, in his heart, it was a sign to 
let's worship God in a time of pain because biblically when plagues come or when, uh, you know, there's a pandemic, we should be worshiping God and crying out to God. And so he goes on the Golden Gate Bridge, Pastor Chase, who's Governor Newsom, Sean ends up in Orange County, a thousand people show up on the beach. And during that time, it was like the first week, um, I texted Sean and I just said, bro, this is a move of God. Like, this is for real, you know? And I've been a part of move of God, you know, like literally since I was 18 years old, whether it be the Brownsville Revival or being around the cell group movement that really exploded through, you know, the time when cell groups were really popping off through ministries like the G12 ministry or, you know, the Toronto outpouring. And so I'd seen different things that, that exploded. And when the wind of God's on it, you can just see it. And so I texted Sean and he said, bro, why don't we do this in Los Angeles? And I said, let's go. And so we found a street corner and all hell broke out that week. It was wild because he went and did Redding, California and had a lot of people, a lot of support from Redding, but also had a lot of pushback from people that even cared about him, you know, and I was getting a lot of pushback from already from my church suing Governor Newsom. So I've got, and I, I knew that, that the world was going to push back on us, but I wasn't expecting the church to do that. But, you know, most of my friends my age literally just said, you know, I don't want to be a part of this church. I'll never say I went to this church. And now Sean's receiving the same thing from his friends. And so we end up uh, in Los Angeles in Pasadena uh, doing a Let Us Worship right on a cul-de-sac, right beside the freeway, and thousands of believers show up, and the power of God hits that night. And I mean, it's crazy because Sean has a, a little bit of a political background, you know, running in California. And so everybody thought what we were doing was political at first, but we never mentioned politics. We just went out and worshiped Jesus and preached the gospel. And so the night that we were in Pasadena, he had just came from Reading. And I think that was a very hard moment for him because a lot of his friends in Northern California or friends around America were giving him some pushback. Some of the leaders that he surrounded himself with was giving him pushback. And I was receiving pushback at the same time. And so right after the power of God hit that night, him and I, we were at a hotel and I could tell he was discouraged and I was discouraged. It was kind of like Jonathan and David because we just had this amazing event that we stood for Jesus. And we got all this rejection coming from Christian people that care about us, that we care about them. And so I remember just like it was yesterday, I looked at Sean and he says, what do you think I should do, man? And I said, well, Sean, you're in a re really big ministry. And I said, does Pastor Bill Johnson approve what you're doing? And he said, yes, he does. I said, does Benny approve? He goes, yes, she does. I said, well, Pastor Che approves what I'm doing. He gave us permission to do this. We've got the blessing of God and we've got the blessing of our pastors. And when a move of God comes, we're not going to please everybody. And so that, that's the moment that we really locked in as brothers. And we, we, within three days, we had 5,000 people on the beach in San Diego. And that's when it hit the news. And that's when it went viral around America. So the story <laughs> begins there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, obviously, you know, the controversy usually follows the move. Right. And I just, I'd be interested in, uh, you know, everyone in the church world says that we judge things by the fruit. So I'd be interested to hear the fruit that you've seen uh, come out of this, uh, especially in regards to, to evangelism. Like, what are you seeing? Like, do you have like rough numbers of people that have come to the Lord that, I know, like, I see testimonies all the time of healings and all of that. I mean, you know, that that's sometimes a way that we can tell, oh, maybe, maybe God is actually moving, you know, in this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
from the moment we started, we even in Pasadena that day and, and even on the other places, we always gave an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel. And so you would see, you would see, you know, I would say at least, you know, a couple hundred people almost every time in the beginning raise their hand and accept Jesus. Um, and what ended up happening is we kind of like evolved into this revival movement. Like at first it was like, let's go worship God. Let's give a simple message. Let's let, get people to raise their hands. And then what ended up happening is we were in, we were in Fort Worth, Texas. This was after um, uh, Portland for the first time, Seattle. In those places, it was kind of like Christians worshiping God, Antifa, Satanists, all these things happening. But when you go to a place like Fort Worth, Texas, you're not going to have really Antifa show up, you know? So we, I remember we were in Texas, and I walked on the stage to preach, and we hadn't done this yet. We'd given responses for salvation, but we hadn't, like, actually done an altar call. Because everybody's so close to the stage, how do you do that? And so I walked on the stage, and I just looked at Sean, and I said, I'm going to give an altar call. He goes, you looked at me like, how are you going to do that, man? And I said, I just watch this. And the Lord spoke to me, and I gave an altar call, and all of a sudden, these people started rushing through the crowd. And without anybody asking them, they just fell on their knees. And it was, it was like, I would say at least 300 people fell on their knees and the glory of God, the holiness of God hit that. And, um, and it was like, we knew something special was happening. And so, you know, the altar calls started taking place, the salvations, like when you, so you could, you could actually start counting. You'd see at least two to 300 people each event, sometimes 500, you know, and, um, we ended up, you know, starting to really say, okay, what do we tap into? And we had some guys on the road with us that were really confident in moving in miracles. Even though Sean and I know how to do that, one of the things that we've been really good about is being collaborative, which a lot of times is scary, but it's also cool because it's a real kingdom event then. You know, some of the people that we've been, been on the platform with us, we never even met before, you know. And so we, well, there were some guys that started rolling with us that really – felt the grace to move in miracles. Um, and here's where the thing really shifted. You know, in 2019, it was salvation and miracles. But then all of a sudden, in 2021, we were in Florida, and the Holy Spirit moved so powerfully. Um, we were like, okay, let's do this again the next night. And all of a sudden, we, 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 we did an extended meeting, and we went on for 12 days. And then through those 12 days, we saw salvations, deliverances, miracles. We saw uh, people with same-sex attraction confess that they want to be healed of it. And it turned into this thing to where, you know, uh, uh, you, you would see, I would say at least two to 300 salvations, at least, you know, 15, 20 really powerful miracles break out. I mean, there was more than that, but the ones that really blew our minds that we, you know, that we knew just wasn't somebody speaking in faith that they were healed. Like we would see just these powerful healings and we would see hundreds of people raise their hands for suicide wanted to be broken and then every time you see somebody get picked up in our videos that's somebody that says they battle with same-sex attraction and they want to be set free so after after florida it, we we kind of evolved into saying okay we have something that's bringing deliverance and freedom and then we went on to fresno and the lord spoke to me again in fresno and he said there's people here with stuff in their pockets that sin so I said, if you got sin in your pocket and you want to get rid of it, throw it on the stage. And I mean, it's going to be a very wah, wah mentality if nothing happens. What was crazy is this lady was standing out there with a Let Us Worship hoodie on, and she pulled a hot Budweiser out of her, a hot can Budweiser, like a 22, out of her 
her hoodie and put it on the stage. And then all of a sudden, vapes, drugs, you name it. And ever since then, we've been seeing drugs, especially when we're outside, drugs, vapes, meth, Satanists getting saved, Antifa getting saved. I mean, we go into places where it's not a church, you know, it's a park. And so the stuff that happens in those parks, man, it would blow your mind. The people that end up coming because they see thousands of Christians showing up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, so yeah. let me let me just let me just uh, pause here for a second, because some of our listeners may not be processing everything that you just said. You're talking about maybe two to three hundred people at an event getting saved. You've done one hundred and thirty events. So on the low end, it's if you just do the math of, say, two hundred times one hundred and thirty on the low end you've probably seen them 25,000 people come to faith and on the it might be you know maybe kind of moving up to 40,000 or so is, is right. yeah yeah I, I would say that I mean I, we're not you know to be honest because we're moving so fast we haven't been the best at counting but I would say you know for sure you know and, and, I, and I gotta be honest some of these people are believers I mean here's the thing when you got people with lettuce worship shirts on that are worshiping the whole time, throwing drugs out of their pocket, something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Something is Absolutely. wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, these, these yeah. people, so, the church and, and, is wounded. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The church is really wounded. We've had many conversations about that. So I know, I'm not trying to pin you down to a number. I'm really just saying, is it bigger than a bread box, smaller than a house? You know, kind of what, What's the sort of range we're talking about here? But the other thing you said that might have skipped over people's heads or maybe they caught it and they're like, wait, say more about that is, you know, you said you've got people like Antifa showing up. Uh, I know some of your stories of actually literally being surrounded by Antifa and, you know, the people that are there turning out to face them and worshiping and the Lord addressing that. But for a lot of people, names like Antifa, strike fear into their hearts they're like wait a minute that's getting too dangerous uh i wouldn't want to be there who knows what could happen why don't you talk a little bit about how the lord has given you breakthrough in some of these kinds of situations that could be what do we want to call it volatile yeah well um sean is a missionary who before we started let's let us worship he was going into the most dangerous nations of america you know he was going to you know, places like Iraq, places like Afghanistan, you know, he, he was in these nations. So he's already really bold. I was an inner city guy who has a story of being a gang member, drug dealing, drug addict, you know, so I, there's a fearlessness about me as well, because most of the churches that I started serving in were churches in New York City, you know, um, where, you know, I served at Metro Kids with Bill Wilson for a while, where we were, you know, we were in Brooklyn and the Bronx. I served in uh, Los Angeles and, in, in in, you know, Southgate next to Compton, where I've seen all the gang stuff. So that stuff really doesn't scare us. What really shocks us, though, is that the Christians that have never, ever, ever, ever been in an environment like that are bold enough right now to go into those environments. So when you go into a place like mm -hmm. Portland and there's 7,000 Christians there and they know that the day before that people were attacked by Antifa, it just goes to show you that the church is way more bold than we give them credit for. I, I, I really think, and I'm a pastor, and, and I need to repent myself because I, I know what I've done over the past 10 years <laughs> pastoring, is that we've got an army. Do we know how to use them? 
You yeah. know what I mean? Because they want to, they want, the Christians want to infiltrate. They're just looking for bold leaders to take them there. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, when we showed up in, in, in these places, you know, it's wild because you've got every gift come out. You've got, you know, the worship community, you've got the worshipers, you've got the preachers, you've got the intercessors, you've got the people with the flags and the people with the tambourines. You've got Christian security that have been serving in their church for a long time, guarding a man that's got on a thousand dollar suit, but now he's guarding somebody for real. Does that make sense? And so these, you know, we, we, we show up, man, and you, you name it, everybody shows up and plays their role. You don't know how many times I've talked to Christian, uh, Christian volunteers who are ex-military who are in tears because they finally get to go out and do something honorable in their community and serve something that really is dangerous. Does that make sense? And so it's not like we're just rolling yeah. out there and me and Sean are by ourselves with Antifa. We're rolling out there with an army of radical Christians that want to, you know, change their city and they're not going to back down. And that's in every city. That's not just Portland. That's not just Seattle. That's in New York. That's in LA. I've never seen people so bold in my life. And so, you know, the, the thing is, is if, you know, it's just like this recent uh, trip we were on in Portland. Antifa comes out and attacks about five to six Christians, throws their gear into the river, uh, bear sprays them, and tries to hurt them. We show up with thousands of believers, and Antifa is over in the corner, like shut down little puppies because they know that we outnumbered them, you know? And they even said it in their text threads, we're outnumbered now. So it's who's got the bigger army? <laughs> We've got the army of the Lord. <laughs> Well, and, and let me, Which, yeah, so let go me, on, Grant. yeah, let me just talk about that because, uh, Ken and I, uh, the, there's a little bit of an age difference between Ken and I. And, uh, and so he, his, his peers are having some questions. My peers are having some questions. So, so I, you know, so you can confirm there is such a thing as Antifa. Is that right? Yeah, there is Antifa and Antifa is real. I mean, it's sad, man, because as a, as a pastor, you know, I led one of them to Jesus. It's on the video where he comes to the altar and he's demonically manifesting. And I just prophesied over him and he's bawling and you can see devils just leaving the guy, you know, and then he was dancing with me on stage. I mean, it was really cool, but most of these guys, you can tell that they were probably as abused as children. Yeah. You can tell that they were rejected by society. They live in their family's basement and they're just, they're just hurt and they're mad. And um, they are real. They are real. And they, they, they're kind of like chihuahuas, man. You know, when you got a little mean chihuahua and, you, and he barks at the door and then when you go inside, he takes off and hides. And then when you go to leave, he tries to bite your ankle. That's yeah. kind of how they roll. You know, and I'm not putting them down. That's what they did to us. When we had them outnumbered, they didn't do anything. But then when the event was over, they stationed people around Portland to try to like hurt little mamas and families. Does that make sense? With tear gas. And so they, they, I, I, I'm not going to say the name, but there's another group of people that, you know, that showed up to our event that we didn't ask to be there. And they're more patriotic. Okay. That they, everybody gives them the racial tag. There wasn't even a white one there. They were Samoan and black. I couldn't believe it. You know, so there was another group that showed up that's been put as, you know, as, as bad people. Dude, they were worshiping God. They were multi-ethnic. And I actually watched them go straight up to Antifa saying, y'all want to fight? Let's fight because they have beef with each other and Antifa didn't do anything to those guys. You know what I mean? And so they're, they're really wounded people that, 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 that have this 
um, I feel like they fascinate on trying to hurt innocent people. Yeah. And I, I just think it's important. You know, I think a lot of people are sitting in their homes reading just countless articles and it's important to hear from people that have actually been around out, you know, been outside, been in, been in the actual places. Just like when we, when we talked to Robbie Dawkins last week, you know, it's one thing to read articles. It's another thing to talk to people on the ground. And so, um, you know, I just think it's good for people to hear that stuff really is going on. And, and there is, there is a spiritual battle at play. And I would, I would second everything you say about all of that. And, and there's a demonic element uh, there. So can I, can I say one thing that I just feel it's important for the church to hear about this? The night before we went to Portland, and you can see it on our recap video, the day before that, you know, here's the story. There's a little church there, Atifa attacks them. The very next day, we planned this event three months before. The very next day, on our tour schedule, we're in that same park. I just want to say that because I, I was sharing this at Harvest Rock. I preached a couple of weeks ago. You know, we got the victory, but what, what, what was it like for the little ministry that was there the day before that got really wounded by Antifa? Part of me wishes people to understand that those people paid a price. You know what I mean? They got, they got persecuted. They got hurt. But the cool part of the story is like how only God could have me and Sean Foyt and let us worship there the very next day to redeem the situation. Unplanned. Yeah. Only God can write stories like that. We got, we got emails and text messages the day before from everybody trying to warn us not to go. And we were like, this is why we got to go. We need to go to show that, you know what? The victory belongs to the Lord. We're going to win for this little church who got wounded the day before. <laughs> yeah. and I, think that, I think it's important for people to hear because I honestly thought maybe there was a connection as someone who's not, you know what I mean? Because it was just boom, boom. It was so quick back to back. And I was like, is that was, you know, so I think it's really cool for people to hear that that there is a God story around that even as well, you know. So, right. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that's really important in all this is, I mean, I think on many levels, the church in America collectively, you know, the body of Christ, I think many Christians feel like they're kind of knocked back on their heels and maybe because we've been isolated and scattered due to COVID and everyone's watching church online rather than being in church, but also because for so long the church had some sort of a dominant voice in, in culture that is fading. I think for many Christians, they feel off balance. They're not really sure what they can do or should do. Um, many times people are not emboldened and, you know, I'm reminded of where Paul uh, is writing in one of his letters and he says, I want you to know what has happened to me is actually served to embolden the believers here because now, you know, what's happened to me, they're actually being more forthright and standing up for their faith. And, you know, you said, Jay, that uh, these various encounters with people and what you saw was the church being bold. And now you've just told a story about a congregation. I think the church could really benefit from the, the stories you're bringing to um, that we have, we still have strength. I mean, it's fading maybe, but it's, we have enough strength that we can strengthen what is weak and is about to die 
as Jesus said to one of the churches of Revelation. And if people will grab a hold of that, and I'm not saying rise up and you know become obnoxious people, but but just hold their ground and make a declaration, make a stand for the Lord, get out there and do something like you and Sean are doing. I think this could literally turn the tide of battle. We've seen this over and over in this through the centuries, the history of warfare. All it takes is one or two solid leaders, a so-called dread champion, as Bob Jones used to call them, and the whole game changes. You want to you want to address that at all? You're smiling while I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it's a new wineskin. I feel like, yeah, there's a divide, and yeah, the the church is, you know, you got like politics really divided us really bad, you know? Um, but to be honest, you know, with what we did, I mean, I'm not the best preacher. Sean's not the best singer, but we're brave. We're, we're not, not, we're not afraid. I mean, sometimes that gets us into trouble because we're just fearless. We don't back down. Um, and so, <laughs> but, but what, we're, what, what, what you're, what you're saying is so true because I feel that this is the grace of God on the church and he's using us to just model what he can actually do if we would just not be complacent, we would have faith and we would go out and do these things because our heart and our passion is we would see this happening all across America with the body of Christ without us being there. You know, if that were to happen, we would be on cloud nine because for us, you know, we're not familiar with what we're doing. You know, like we're not getting used to this and it's becoming old. But we're not just doing it to be another thing. We don't want to be another ministry. We want to be what we feel the church needs in America, which is to go outside of the four walls, to start joining forces, unify, be kingdom together, and to see salvation. And, and, and to be honest, I think that's why there's so much power on what we're doing is because I feel like this is what God wanted us to look like as a church. And so, you know, when you... There's nothing wrong with me having my church that I go to and you having your church when you go to. But we have to come together as churches and say, this is our city. This is where we live. What are we going to do together to change the city? And I feel like Sean and I are just vessels that are making that happen. And we just have the gift mix to, to kind of usher in how to make that happen because it hasn't been done really well. Does that make sense in a long time? The things that we do together are, are not as effective as they should be. Well, what you are is a prototype of what's to come. And, you know, everybody talks about Bob Jones and the prophecy of the billion soul harvest. Uh, the earth is moving towards 8 billion people, but the last numbers I've seen are seven and a bit. So if we're talking about a billion people coming to faith, we're talking about roughly a of the world. So if every country grabbable share that, and won't come for a minute that they do. If every country got its radical share of, of a billion soul harvest, the United States ought to get something in the neighborhood of maybe, uh, oh, like, you know, 60 million people coming to faith across our country, which is an astonishing number, I know. Uh, maybe on the low end, 40 million. But if we had 40 to 60 million converts, that would be that would literally change everything. And the thing that I just want to point out is, okay, so you guys have been having great results. The Lord's hand is with you. Uh, as it says in the book of Acts, considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And that's true. And you aren't laying down. There'll be more yet to come. 
But you know, when we think about numbers like 40 to 60 million, and we think about the kinds of numbers that you've got, as good as it is, it's a drop in the bucket. We need a bunch of other people to learn from what you're doing and get emboldened and say, you know, I could do that in my city. I could do that in my park. I could do that, I don't know, wherever at the shopping center or, or wherever. I mean, there's a lot of places that you can gather a crowd. But the point is, we need people to say, I like that. I'm, I'm somehow energized that. I'm awakened by that. And sure, it's not prophetic. Everything these days, everybody wants to be a prophet, but but we need people to be evangelists too. And and you and Sean are two guys that banded together and said, we're just going to do this. And the Lord is with you in it. And I just wonder how the Lord might bless if literally thousands of people that listen to this podcast decided we're going to go out and give that a try too. Yeah, I, I think, and, and you know, my heart goes out to them because I really want them to, you know, we have there's a couple ministries that I know of. There's a young man, he's 26 years old or 24, and he has been, you know, following us around and doing photography for us. And at our one year anniversary, I knew that he'd started doing like these little worship gatherings in his garage <laughs> with his friends. And so I was proud of him. So we laid hands on him. <laughs> and now he's actually, he just did two nights in Huntington Beach with a bunch of Generation Z. And I think they probably had anywhere from 500 to a thousand people there, you know, and it was powerful. And, 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 and so then there's another group of these like orange County moms who they, they don't want to be called the orange County housewives. You know, they're, they're very successful families. They started doing this church outdoors. So Ken, the very first time you came to our event, that event was put on by those mothers and their, and their families. And so they're having church outside. And so, you know, I agree with you. I, I really want to see it happen. And, and if you are watching online and you do want to get this going, can I just tell you, like, churches need to do this together. What we did that made this the, the secret sauce of what we did is that we had the ability to pull churches together and there was no competition. There was no it was just like, hey, let's change our city because what, what's hard is when somebody goes out to do this with their church and they only get 20 people out there, you know, even though that's still awesome, yeah. it needs to be strategic to where everybody says, Hey, let's do this together. And we can rotate who preaches. We can rotate who does worship another time we do this, but like, it just needs to be a unified thing to where, why don't we come together to change our cities? And to be really honest, it, it's not going to hurt their local church. It's going to help it more than anything, you know, like, like pastors come to our stuff and, and there's no competition, man. It's like any, they, they all get on fire because they, the city's now seeing pastors doing things together to really bring transformation. And so um, uh, my, my, my prayer is that if somebody does get this passion to do it, please, please, you know, other churches in your area, join forces, man. Who cares who's preaching? Who cares who sings? Nobody cares. They just go out and do something together and let God use it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's awesome. So Jay, on that point, let's, let's get to, uh, to one of the big ones that you have coming up really soon. Um, this is an event that's going to gather on the Capitol mall in DC on nine 11, the 20th anniversary of nine 11. And then again on nine 12. Now those two meetings have somewhat different focuses so you might want to tell us a bit about what you're doing on 9-11, what you're doing on 9-12. But um, this is something that, because it's in Washington, potentially could reach as far north as New York or Boston. 
and maybe as far south as Atlanta, maybe some people want to get on airplanes and come to this. Um, and it could reach into the center of the heartland of America, into, you know, whatever, Kentucky, Tennessee, Chicago, who knows. But tell us what you're doing in Washington, because I know we have a fixed amount of time and I want to give you plenty of time to talk about what that's going to be about. Yeah, thank you. Um, last year when we did D.C., it was right before the election. And, you know, there was a lot of wind on what we were doing. I think Christians were really wanting to pray and worship to try to see, you know, just with their, you know, with their uh, intentionality of going to D.C. to see the election, be able to go into the more of the Christian conservative favor. Because most people that come to D.C. to do stuff like that, they, they want to see the government change as well. So do we. Um, but we the date that was given to us by the park was October the 25th to do the National Mall. And um, that was the day before Amy Coney Barrett um, was uh, installed as the Supreme Court. So we went up there and worshiped. It was powerful. We, we didn't know how many people were going to come. It was raining and we still had 40,000 people show up. Mind blowing. You're talking about rain and the rain was coming over our heads and wasn't falling straight down. It was going over the crowd, but it was raining. And it was, it was spectacular. And we planned it in like a few months. We didn't even have a lot of time to plan it. So after we did DC, we said, you know what? We're going to do these events, but we're going to make Washington DC really like the, the, the biggest thing that we do every year. We're always going to go back to DC because we just felt like we need to be worshiping God, no matter what the circumstances looks like, looks like in, you know, the most precious real estate in America, which is the, the national mall, the Capitol. So we submitted our date and they told us they wouldn't give us October. They said the only date they would give us, this is with the Biden administration, which is kind of mind blowing that he didn't have anything planned on the National Mall that day. He basically says, we'll, or the National, the Parks, Parks Department says, we'll give you guys the weekend of September 11th and 12th. And we were like, we kind of paused and we were like, should we do this? And we were like, wait a minute. This is crazy. Oh, you're going to give us the 20 year anniversary <laughs> national mall. We're, we'll take it. So we took it and we decided that we were going to do the, on the 11th to do something to bring, you know, just a time of healing and memory towards what happened 20 years ago on the national mall. We had all these ideas. We were working with some of our friends, Ken, some of your friends, just different people trying to figure out what to do. And we, we never really had like this piece of what God wanted to do. We were still struggling. We knew on the 12th that we were going to do Let Us Worship, the normal revival fire, presence-driven, but we just weren't settled on the 11th. And then all of a sudden, as we're going through all these ideas, reaching out to all these people, Afghanistan happens. And, you know, we pull out of Afghanistan, um, uh, the, you know, our military, and all hell breaks loose in, breaks loose in Afghanistan, not knowing that Sean has a ministry called Light a Candle, which is a missions movement that goes into places like Afghanistan. So now we realize why God gave us the permit for 9-11 in uh, the National Mall, because what's going on in Afghanistan. So we feel that we're going to bring some, you know, some healing to America, bring some hope, talk about what happened in 9-11, but also understand that we're living in a crazy time again. Uh, because of what's going on in Afghanistan. And so um, we feel like we've got the Lord spoke to us about what to do. We're still working on some of the fine print of it, but we feel like this is going to be a time to where we want to kind of surprise everybody. And I, I, I'll just say this, you know, 
we could do a million things, but when God speaks to us and we go for it, I can, I, I just will tell everybody this. We're not going to announce what, what we're going to do or how we're going to do it until that evening. I mean, what I'm saying is we might start talking about some people that are going to be there. I don't know yet because we're still working it out. But I will say this. What God's told us to do needs to be done, and it's going to be off the chain. So I, I want to encourage everybody, if you can't come, last year we had people flying from California. We had people coming from everywhere. If you can't come, you do want to watch this online because we're going to walk in the opposite spirit. We're going to bring transformation to what God's doing right now, not just in America, but around the world, even in places like Afghanistan. It's going to be awesome. And then the Praise 12th, the Lord. we're going to blow up revival. The 12th is going to be just wild, radical presence, worship, revival. I mean, it's going to be awesome, man. But we really are. We were nervous about the 11th because we're revival guys. We don't, you know, we, we love the political world, but we, we were nervous about trying to put together something for the 11th. We knew the 12th was going to be powerful. The 11th, we weren't settled yet. Now we kind of figured it out because God spoke to us just because of our heart and what America's struggling with right now with what's going on with Afghanistan. So I think it's going to be, why would God give us the permit? Why would God give us the right. permit? on the National Mall, September 11th, 20-year anniversary, before we knew that this was going to happen in Afghanistan the way that it's happening right now. This is crazy. It's just crazy. And let me just say this. Um, I mean, I want to respect your, what you said, that you know you don't want to sh share anything before it's time. But I, I know a bit about what's happening behind the scenes. And I will say to all of our listeners, this will be something amazing. You, If you can make it, you will want to be there. Let's just leave it at that. Um, and that's not hype. That's just, this is, it will be that good. So um, I hope that many of you will be able to come out. Jay, if they want to sign up, I know there's some registration you're trying to drive towards so you can give accurate data to the National Park Service and they can have enough porta potties and, you know, park rangers and all the rest of it. Where do people go to sign up for this thing? Yeah, they can go to our website, uh, seanfoyt.com, or they can go to, uh, you know, um, they can search, you know, go on our Instagram and there's going to be little links that you can click to it or our Facebook and there'll be links that can click to it. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of places to register if they want to volunteer right now. We need as many volunteers as we can get. Um, we I, actually we need like 100 volunteers to have licensing to be able to do crowd control on the mall or we have to pay people like by the hour who are not believers to do it. So if people want to volunteer, <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, it's going to be cool. Deal. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but we're doing it. God's blessed us. The funds are coming in to make it happen. We're, we're excited about it. Um, but I like the way you put that, Ken. Like, if they really knew what we were about to come with, everybody <laughs> would show up. Everybody That's would right. come. It, it's it's going to go down. Like, we are not. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. <laughs> and, and for those of you who heard uh, Jay say Sean Foyt, I just want to spell his name because it's not intuitive to many English speakers. So it's Sean, S-E-A-N, S-E-A-N, and continuing on with no breaks, dots, skips, or underscores, Foyt, F-E-U-C-H-T, F-E-U-C-H-T, Sean Foyt, F-S-E-A-N-F-E-U-C-H-T. HT.com. That's one place they can sign up, right? Yeah. They can go to Sean Floyd's website. They can just, I mean, all of our, all of our media platforms will have ways to drive people to, to come. And for some reason, if they don't sign up, they can still come. I mean, we, we, we don't ticket people, but we want to get a head count just because last year 
we got a permit for 15,000 and 40,000 showed up. If we do that again this year, I don't know if they'll give us a permit next year. So the more we can tell them how many people are coming, the happier the parks department is. <laughs> right. And just to be clear, you don't have to pay to register. You just got to register. But there is kind of an honor system here. If you, if you register, you should make a good faith effort to be there. Don't just sign up to sign up because they are going to report these numbers to the National Park Service so there can be appropriate sizing and so forth. Um, and, you know, that will also be used in the end, I think, to estimate how many people show up. And for those of you that are wondering, how can I make a difference in America? Listen, if 500,000 Christians or a million Christians show up on the Capitol Mall um, on 9-11 and or 9-12, that will be something that I guess the media could try to suppress it. But in any case, it'll be noted in the halls of government. I mean, they can't they can't ignore numbers like that. So it really matters if people vote for the vote with their feet. Um, Jay, I know we're just about out of time. I know you have a hard stop. Is there any last things you want to say about what you're doing or where we go from here or anything else before we sign off? Yeah. Uh, thank you for, for asking that. Uh, you know, next year, our heart and our passion is that we want to, we want to go big. And when I say go big, meaning that it, it's time for us as believers to not just change the heart, but change the mind of people. And I think with our mobilization ability right now, doing all the cities that we did, that we could start doing Let Us Worship. And so let me give you an example. Instead of calling it Let Us Worship Los Angeles, we call it Let Us Worship California. And we start mobilizing, doing mm -hmm. massive events that bring a little bit of the element of, you know, taking over state, taking over cities, uh, not just giving salvation, but really sharing with people what it means to really be a Christian, what it means to be pro-life, what it means to be pro-family, so that we're not just gathering people and getting them saved. We really want to start transforming cities and, and states. And so, um, you know, we would love for everybody, especially after this D.C., when they start seeing these big events that we put together, it's really important for us to come together in these huge events because, what we want to do is empower an army to start bringing real change, not, not, not this hype stuff, not this just come to a stadium event. It's like, no, if we're going to gather, we're going to make a covenant. We're really going to do this. And so we put our money where our mouth was this year, and we're going to do it by stepping into a greater level of faith. We don't want to just, like I said, we, everybody gets hooked to stadiums and big events. Like I, I, I've been a part of stadium ministry since I was a kid. I've seen it. I don't need to see another stadium. I want to see people come together to take over their state, to take over their city, and to leave that place actually putting their money where their mouth is. And so we've got some things that God's speaking to us about. And for us, it's going to stretch our faith because we could easily just ride this wave and do what we're doing. But we don't want to do that. We want to go to the next level but we want to do it in the grace that God's given us. The grace that God's given us is to win souls, to empower boldness to the church, to equip people, and to understand what it means to, to stand for Jesus in your government. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, we're not, we don't talk about politics in these meetings, but the reality is if you follow us on social media, we're always talking about pro-life. We're always talking about pro-family, pro-religious freedom, fighting for America. And so we, in, in the grace that we have, we feel that we can gather people and really start uniting the army to really bring change. And so pray for us because it's going to be wild after DC. <laughs> so on that note, let me just remind everybody that in Psalm 84, 
it says, uh, blessed are those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. They're ever praising you. Well, pilgrims are people that are on a journey to a, well, a holy place. And of course, all Christians are on the ultimate journey to heaven. But it also says, as they pass through the Valley of Baca, which in Hebrew means the veil of tears, as they pass through the difficulties of life and all the hardships and upset and everything we've been living in, COVID, riots, all of it, as they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They turn it into a place of pools. And so, you know, we can use the language of army, but what we're really talking about is transforming our societies through blessing and through the goodness of God being showered out and people being able to drink once again from the deep wells of salvation that have been offered to us by the Lord. Jay, you're an evangelist. Why don't you close us in prayer and then we'll cut you loose and you can get on to your other things tonight. Thank you. So, God, I just want to thank you for everybody that's watching. I thank you for Grant, for Ken. I thank you for their families. I thank you for every family that's represented here. Father, I just pray right now that people would just uh, be encouraged. I pray, Father, that their spirit would be strengthened in you. And I pray that they would know that you called them to be alive for such a time as this, that you gave them the hope. You gave them the answer living inside of them, the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that we would not uh, allow ourselves to retract, but, God, we would move forward with our passion for you, our passion for the lost. And, Lord, I just pray that winning souls would be easy to people. I, pay, I pray that people would learn to make friends, that they would learn to get to know people and show them what Jesus looks like. And just ask the tough question, do you know the Lord? Not, not make it hard, but just really let the gospel do its own job. Let people hear what they need to hear. And I pray that we would not get so creative with it that we lose the fire on it and we would just preach the truth and love and that people would be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen. Jay, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I, know you, I know you're a busy man. You're traveling that much and setting up all these events. We appreciate your time to join us. Thank you, Ken. Grant, nice to meet you. You're working with a great guy. Let me just tell everybody this. Ken, Ken Fish is the real thing. He is the real thing. I want everybody to hear me. I know a lady. I want to end on this note, and I'm going to let you go. I know a lady that was very skeptical of the apostolic prophetic movement, skeptical of signs and wonders, okay? She was even skeptical of me, and she talked to me about it, and I, I kind of warmed her over a little bit. She comes to one of our events and sees people praying in the spirit and still a little bit skeptical. Well, Ken Fish ends up at her church because Ken has this favor of getting into churches that don't believe fully what we believe, this lady gets slayed in the spirit and gets covered in gold dust. <laughs> I haven't even been covered in gold dust. I don't even know if I've ever seen in real life gold dust, okay? And this lady who was coming against what we're doing, who was cool enough to talk to me about it, gets slayed in the spirit. And she is in seminary right now. She's beautiful. She's probably wealthy, married to a, a wealthy man, very, very smart, okay? She wasn't, she wasn't the swirly person that just tells you stuff. She gets touched by Ken Fish and, and gets slayed and gets covered in gold dust. So I just want to tell everybody watching, keep watching what Ken and Grant are doing. You know, uh, these guys are amazing, and we love them, and we honor you guys, man. Bless you guys so much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Grant. <laughs> and I can second – Ken is super the real deal, and I have seen so many skeptics 
uh, <laughs> including myself in some ways, won over by, uh, I mean, here, I, he probably was quoting all these scriptures and, and Hebrew translations from memory. So uh, it's, it's just a, a wonderful thing <laughs> to be able to be a part of. So guys, thank you so much. I mean, we've got two uh, incredibly busy guys. I would love to see uh, your travel schedules. I'm sure they're, uh, you know, it would be a neck and neck race as far as who's traveling more <laughs> right now. But uh, thanks for taking time. It's late at night. We've got kids that we've got to put to bed. And uh, but this is so good. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all, uh, hopefully at Washington, uh, 9-11, 9-12. So, so be there. And if not, tune in. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to, to seeing you there. Otherwise, we'll see you right back here next week. God is Not a Theory is a podcast of Orbis Ministries. For more information about Orbis Ministries, go to orbisministries.org. If you have questions you'd like to have Ken answer on the podcast, please send us an email to podcast at orbisministries.org. Thanks for listening.